What impresses you? What causes you to stop and take notice? Does gentleness impress you? Meekness? If it doesn't, it should. You know, when I landed on teaching through this series of the Fruit of the Spirit, I flinched a bit when I came to gentleness. I'm definitely not as gentle as I would like or what I believe I should be. And honestly, after the last five years of seeing pastors that I've appreciated and even looked up to flame out of ministry altogether, simply because of pride and abusive leadership, I became more aware of the tendency in pastoral ministry to become harsh and insensitive. More than once, harshness has slithered out of my own heart as a pastor. Gentleness is not natural for me. Are you impressed with gentleness? Like its cousin humility, gentleness is easily overlooked in the Christian life. It, it won't draw attention to itself because it's too busy paying loving attention to other people. Consider the mighty gentleness of our God himself. Isaiah 40, 10 through 11 says, Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with the young. What then is gentleness? Gentleness defined in the dictionary as the quality of being kind, tender, or mild-mannered. And let's be perfectly clear. The world hates gentleness. If that's what a Christian should be and exhibit in this world, then, well, they will say you're a wimp, a, a wuss. We like our sports, football, for an example, to not be gentle. Apply that definition of gentleness to football, and what do you get? The Detroit Lions, and no one likes them. Apply that definition to the movies that you watch. Was Rocky gentle as a boxer? The Avengers gentle? Gentleness is, is not a trait that people flock to see on the big screen. The world seems to despise gentleness, not just in entertainment, but in business, I mean, just think of the successful people in the world. They are strong, self-willed, uncompromising, overbearing, more than capable, aggressive, and ambitious. One author said, the world belongs to John Wayne's. And it seems like the last thing that the normal person in the world wants to be is gentle. And yet, gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of God living inside of you. Gentleness is a gift of the Spirit to the Christian when the softened heart abides in Jesus and not in the world. Gentleness isn't weakness. It isn't wimpy, inept shyness or spinelessness. It cannot just be defined as being nice. It isn't a person who wants peace at all cost. It's protus. It's the Greek word for gentleness in Galatians 5, and it means to submit one's strength in a posture of meekness. It can be translated as consideration, humility, and meekness. It can be defined as restrained power when provoked. Those who are gentle and humble are thankful toward God, having a peaceful mind and submitting wholly to his plan for their life. One aspect of gentleness is being able to calmly accept God's judgment regarding a situation even if that judgment results in personal hardship, it's humility toward God. And Paul is the consistent teacher for us in the New Testament of what gentleness is and how it should be applied to the Christian life. 
He mentions it in 2 Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1 Thessalonians. And so there's a lot of passages to choose from, but this morning I chose 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 8 as the basis of this topic. And this morning it's a topical message. Paul writing, and he wants us to know um, how, how he's served people. He's, he's given a display of his life. He says in verse 1, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated as, uh, at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst of much conflict. For our, our appeal does not spring from error or impurity or any attempt to deceive But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak. Not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also ourselves, because you had become very dear to us. Paul is teaching us what leadership should look like in the church and what leadership should look like in our families. It's like a a nursing mother taking care of her own children. There's nothing quite like a nursing mother with her kids. I remember when my girls were little and the tenderness and gentleness displayed by my wife was astounding. Waking up in the middle of the night to nurse them, careful and compassionate, that's the life of a mother. I, I know she desperately wanted to sleep, but her gentleness was incredible. And this is the picture that Paul paints for us as pastors in ministry. But the application can be made for all of us as Christians. As we know, that's the fruit of a Christian. This morning, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to give you a definition, and then the rest of the time, I'm going to strive to explain the definition and then apply it. Actually, I'm borrowing the definition from Pastor Bobby Jameson, and it will be on the screen if you want to write it down. But here it is. Gentleness is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve someone in a way they can handle. And I'm going to break each point of this definition and down, and that will be the outline for this morning. We'll put it on the screen if you want to write it down and keep up. First, gentleness is love. We looked at love the first week of the series. It seems impossible to understand any of these fruit without love. Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28 and 29, Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. God is gentle in his loving care for us, carefully calling us to come to him for rest and refreshment. And Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, gentleness is love in action because love is what leads you to consider someone else's history and their strengths and weaknesses and burdens, even their facial expression and tone of voice, and responsively then adjust your your bearing to them. 
When the book of Deuteronomy pictures God as a caring father, carrying his people, as a father carries his children to, to keep them out of danger. Inside of that the love that God displays this type of gentleness with, with his people. And it's the same love that we are called to show to others. And Paul says later in 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 12, that he dealt with each of them as a father deals with his own children. He loved them and showing the tenderness of a mother and the strength as a father always with love. The love isn't a job, it's a way of life for a Christian. Second, gentleness is love guided by self-control. And it seems that gentleness and self-control have to go together. I, I guess that's why Paul lists it next in the fruit of the Spirit. And Lord, Lord, Lord willing, we'll look at it next week as we finish this series. Gentleness is sometimes compared with meekness. And, and meekness in the Greek language would be used to describe a, a domesticated or tame animal. It, it could be translated today to act to, to the act of breaking a wild horse or even called meeking a horse. And the strength of the horse is not diminished by this process. Actually, its strength is brought under control. It's restrained power. And gentleness is like meekness. It is the quality of having controlled strength. Only a gentle, self-controlled person can turn the flood of what they think needs saying into the trickle of what the person in front of them really needs to hear. If you remember, we, we looked at Ephesians 4 a few weeks ago. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. A controlled person speaks grace. They speak what needs to be said so that the hearer is built up. And only a gentle, self-controlled person can use their energy and their passion to build up rather than to bowl over. Only a gentle, self-controlled person can obey 2 Timothy 2.25 and their teaching and their apologetics. Paul says to, to correct their opponents with gentleness. See, gentleness is not weakness or even the lack of conviction, but rather it means that we value the person we are sharing truth with, and that means we treat them as a person made in the image of God. So if anything about us is offensive, it should be the message of the gospel itself, not the manner in which we deliver it. Third, gentleness is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength. Gentleness isn't the opposite of strength, but it's the, the wise application of strength. Friends, do you golf? Have you watched it before? I enjoyed last Sunday watching golf for the first time in weeks. And I loved it. See, golfers understand this. They, they know that, that good golfing is applying just enough strength. When you chip your, your shot and it lands in the green a foot from the cup, you don't reach for the driver. That's too much strength. That's too much club. And you'll hit the, bar, the ball too far. You, you grab the putter and it's, it's still strength. Not an ounce too much or too little that enables you to make the putt. Now, I, I know I always use sports illustrations, so I'm going to give you one from baking. And I'm not a baker, but I married one, and she was trained by one. My mother-in-law, when teaching Katie how to make pie crust, would say, you can't manhandle it. You don't need pie crust. It's very delicate and light. And we all love light and flaky pie crust, Right? In fact, Katie made a, a quiche this week for dinner, and my kids were fighting over the crust. 
But the only way you have good, flaky pie crust is applying just enough strength. It's not the removal of strength, but gentle strength. You see, this also applies to our relationships as well. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in a tr- any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And the picture of that verse is that someone has fallen overboard of a boat, a boat of sin, and they're tangled in the net. And they're, they're flailing all around. But it means to take the gentle person who isn't caught in the net, then to free them. See, friends, people are breakable. Even when they hurt themselves, they're still injured. And hurt people tend to hurt other people. Gentleness helps you help someone put the pieces back together rather than compounding the fractures of their brokenness. So gentleness should mark our conversations with others. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.21, What do you wish? Shall I come to you with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? People don't respond well to harsh, arrogant words, but gentle correction will make a person more receptive to consider change. It's not that correction doesn't need to happen, but it needs to come with gentleness. Spurgeon said, Blame comes best on the back of praise. So it's helpful to balance correction and rebuke with words of encouragement. And I'd suggest that perhaps you you share some encouragement first and then sandwich it with the correction, the rebuke that they need to hear done in gentleness and love, and it will be more sweet to the listener when they end the conversation with praise and affirmation of them and their relationship with you and Jesus. So that when they walk away, they don't feel beat up, but built up with your gentle correction. Fourth, Gentleness is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve someone. See, gentleness doesn't exist in a vacuum like most of the other fruits of the Spirit. Uh, Gentleness is a relational virtue, a feature of how you treat one another. And gentleness aims always at another's good. Whether you're coaxing a child into a swimming pool or dissuading a friend from sinning in response to being sinned against, gentleness serves others in love. So who are you called to serve? Do you have a spouse? Do you have kids? Do you have others that live around and with you? You should serve them with gentleness. Do you have neighbors? You should seek to serve them in gentleness in word and deed even when they cut a tree down that borders your property that you would have loved to have stayed up. So is gentleness, is our gentleness serving others? Is it seen? Fifth, gentleness is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve someone in the way they can handle. Different illnesses need different medicines. Different locks need different keys. And gentleness takes stock of someone's background, their build, and and their bent. And gentleness finds a way to give them what they can receive. Gentleness recognizes that we all have limits. The giver as much as the receiver. And we need to be learners when it comes to the people we live around and with. As a parent, I can say this is hard. With four amazing daughters living in my house right now, they're all different. And I selfishly want them to be all the same, at least in how I talk with them. 
But gentleness in my speech towards them is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength for their little hearts to bear. It's to serve them in a way they can handle. And gentleness in our relationships is about the other person, not so much about ourselves. It's about what they need. Of course, being appropriately gentle, whether in help or rebuke, doesn't guarantee a warm reception. Some people don't know what's good for them. To an extent, we, we all don't know what's good for us. So gentleness isn't deterred by misunderstanding or rejection. Christians should keep being gentle even when they're not being gently in, uh, responded to in return, precisely because that's how God has loved us in Christ. This is why Jesus commanded his disciples in Matthew 22 to obey civil authorities and who commanded Peter to put down his sword in Matthew 26. Our Lord allowed soldiers to strip him and mock him and spit on him and strike him and finally crucify him. Why? Why did Jesus allow this? Why did the Father? Because Jesus didn't come to beat us into submission. He came to be beaten for our sins. He came to be mocked for us to know life. He came to be killed so that we could know eternity with God. His gentleness is more than a model of life for us to follow. His gentleness is at the heart of the gospel we need in order to be saved. True Christians will be gentle. Gentleness is not the latest step in a program on how to become a super person. It's the fruit of a heart that's been redeemed by a Savior, gentle enough to willingly take our place in the cross. And for those who are tempted to confuse gentleness with weakness, need look no further than Calvary. The Savior could have brought those soldiers to their knees in submission to him. He could have spoke just a word and it all would have stopped in a moment. Instead, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He didn't come to reign now as a paltry, earthly king. He came to die by humbling himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. No gentleness, no message of salvation. No gentleness, no gospel. G.K. Chesterton once defined a paradox as truth standing on its head, calling for attention. And Jesus was a master when it came to paradoxes. Last shall be first. Giving is receiving. Losing is finding. The least is the greatest. Poor is rich. And dying is living. It is a paradox that dying would lead to living, but that is exactly what the cross teaches us. That's the essence of the gospel. That's the crux of gentleness. Dying to self. Living for someone else. And this is what Christians should be known for. We need to live like Jesus. And gentleness is the spirit and the attitude behind repentance. To repent in a biblical sense is to change one's mind and believe that God is right and that we're wrong. Repentance is necessary for salvation and we need to carry an attitude of repentance in a gentle spirit our entire lives. So friend, if you've tuned in to watch and you're not a Christian and you're seeing the devastating effects of your lack of gentleness, repent of your sins. Repent of your sin of trusting in yourself and turn to Christ this morning. Trust in him. He, he will answer. 
He will bring the fruit of gentleness into your life when, you, when he makes you new in him. Well, friends, how, how do we apply this message? Uh, none of us are as gentle as we ought to be. You are perhaps like me that you didn't see the issues in your own life in regards to gentleness until you begin to see others failing and struggling. And our heart's temptation was to compare myself. That's my heart, to compare myself to others' examples. I'm not as bad as them. I'm more gentle and humble than them. And compared to them, you might be. But we need to remember, friend, Christ is our example. Just because we stack up well against other humans doesn't mean we are gentle in the eyes of the Lord. So first, I would encourage you to find someone who will speak the truth and love to you. Ask them the question, am I gentle? Do it today, right after this message. Whether it's someone in your home or, or, or if you live alone, pick up the phone and call a friend that you trust and ask them. Then prepare yourself for their response. Be slow to speak, slow to anger, and listen. Receive their counsel, their observation of your life. But then don't stop there and dwell on what they say. Second, meditate on some key texts of Scripture if you find yourself needing to grow in this area. God's Word is a tremendous counselor. Meditate on Proverbs 15.4. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness and it breaks the spirit. Or Matthew 5, 5, or Galatians 5, 23, or Ephesians 4, 1 through 3, or Colossians 3, 12. Meditate on them. Perhaps you need to write them down and then commit them to memory. And as you saturate yourself in all these verses, consider the character of Christ. He is the point of every passage. And Paul said each Christian should be being transformed into the same image of Christ from one degree of glory to the other. That, that, this means that the Holy Spirit is in you and God is leading you to share in his gentleness too. And third, pray that God would make you gentler. And surely this is a prayer that God delights in answering. He loves you and desires that you become more like his son. So make this an item of, to pray about every day and then check back with your friend in a month to see your progress. Spend time praying that God would show you yourself. Gentleness, comes a lot easier when you really know yourself, when you know the weak and flawed person who's living inside of the shell you have on the outside. Then out of that deep well of self-knowledge and gratitude for the grace of God that has rescued you from your own sin and failure, it comes humility before God and gentleness toward others. If God has been gentle and gracious toward us, and if we would like other people to be gentle with us when we mess up, then we should pray to be gentle with them. Friends, gentleness is love guided by self-control, applying just enough strength to serve someone in a way they can handle. And I pray that as a church family, we will grow in our gentleness towards one another this week. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that shows us who you are and how we are to live in this world. Thank you for saving us, for planting the seeds of these fruit deep within our hearts. And we recognize there are some fruit that have just barely sprouted, and we ask that you would grow them. Help us as a church family to be known for our gentleness in our relationships. Help us to display Jesus in all that we do in our lives, in our actions, in our words. Help us to, to live for him this week. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.